0: This morning, I would like to speak on water baptism. We are going to have at the end of our service a water baptismal time. And and so I think it's important that we spend time now to um, go back and and understand some of the basics of what we believe in our Christian life. So today, water baptism really is the the process of publicly declaring who we are in Christ. And uh, I want to talk about that today. It's always good that we ask some questions. You know, God is a big God, and and God can handle any question that we bring. So if I have a question today of what water baptism is about and why we do things, this is exactly the time for us to talk about it, especially because we are going to have a water baptismal service today. So I'd like to start this morning by looking at the life of Christ and the example that he gave us to follow. And we observe his example of the way he lived his life because we are instructed to be Christ-like and uh, to be a to be a Christian really means to be Christ-like and to be a follower of Christ and we're to model our life after his in Philippians chapter 3 the writer tells us beginning at verse 10 it says I want to know Christ yes to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings becoming like him in his death And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. If we're going to be Christ-like, we need to understand more what it means to share in his sufferings and to share in his death and his resurrection. And that's kind of what water baptism is about. So with that said, let's look at what Jesus thought about water baptism. We read the account of Jesus' baptism in the Gospels. And we're going to look today at the the account given in Matthew and get some of the historical aspect of of what his life was and how that came to be in a way that will help us understand how we should understand baptism today in our life. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. With him I am well pleased. So here the writer gives us the account of Jesus being baptized in water by John the Baptist. But what was the purpose of Jesus' baptism? And what was John calling for in water baptism? Now we all know that Jesus lived a perfect life. He lived a life that was without sin. So Jesus wasn't being water baptized as a result of his sin, or as in the same purpose, if you will, as to why other people were being water baptized. They were being water baptized because of sin in their life, and John was calling for a sense of repentance in their life so that they would have a forgiveness of their sin or a covering of their sin. And we're going to talk through this a little bit more detail today and, and what that all means. But for Jesus' reason for being water baptized, his reason was not the same as any other man of the day. Jesus was being water baptized to be obedient to his Father and to fulfill the written word. And so he was doing it to be obedient and to be an example for us to follow. So let's look here at what john why john was calling people to be baptized we we see this given to us in the passage we just read let's look back at it Uh, verse 1 says repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near and then verse 6 says confessing their sins they were baptized by him in the jordan and verse 11 says i baptize you with water for repentance also in the book of mark also in the gospel in the book of mark it says this about John the Baptist. It said, Mark chapter 1, verse 4, And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So we see two words that come up that are interesting words. Number one is uh, confessing or confession of sins. And number two, the repentance of sins. It's very important, I believe, this morning, that we understand the difference between confession and and repentance what is the difference between a confession and a repentance well let's look at the definitions in the dictionary the word confession means this admission of wrongdoing admission of guilt something admitted concession an acknowledgement or a revelation so the word confession is simply or the act of confession is simply acknowledging that I've done something wrong, that I have uh, erred someplace in my life. Now let's look at the word repentance. Repentance says to be sorry, to change ways, to be remorseful, shameful, to be contrite, or to make atonement whenever possible. So a person that confesses basically is admitting to sin or wrongdoing, but there doesn't seem to be any remorse or any um, any uh, sorrow in their confession. A person that can confess, for example, in a court of law, can confess to the robbery, can confess to a murder, can confess to whatever they're being charged to, but that doesn't Indicate at all that they're sorry that they did that, or they have no intention of repeating it again. A person can confess to a crime and and go right back out in the street and repeat the crime without any sense of sorrow. But a person that repents is having a remorseful attitude or a change of ways in their life that that they have no intention to go about and repeat the same sin or to repeat the same act. That was wrong. So clearly there's a difference here um, between confession and repentance. Now confession is part of repentance. You must have a confession in your spirit before you repent, but the repentance is the thing that Jesus forgives. Jesus forgives a repentant heart or a heart that's willing to change their ways, not necessarily a person that just admits that they're wrong. And so John was talking about a repentant heart. In fact, when you, we look up at the word, the Greek word for repentance that, is, that John's talking about here, the, the word is metonia, and it, this is what it means. It, it means a change of mind, the state of changing any or all of the elements composing one's life, attitude, thoughts, and behaviors concerning the demands for right living. Boy, that's really important. Let's read that again. The word metonia is a Greek word, and it means this: it's a change of mind, the state of changing any or all of the elements composing one's life, attitude, thoughts, and behaviors concerning the demands of God for right living. It's it's the state of changing. Now that means it's a it's a present tense active, ongoing desire. It's the state of changing. It doesn't. It's not a one-time event. I haven't repented for something and then forget about it. Basically, I think every day is a day of repentance. Every day I'm in the act of changing. Every day I'm in the act of, of changing my attitude or my thought or my behavior towards God's demands for right living. When I ever get to the point where I stop repenting of my sins on a daily basis, then I believe I'm running into a problem here in my life. So repentance is a daily activity. It doesn't mean that I'm not saved. I'm not talking about getting saved day after day after day anew. I'm talking about repenting of my daily issues because I am human and I will make mistakes just like you will make mistakes. There's a cost to repenting. And that cost is that it's a change of lifestyle. It's not it's not free. It's not necessarily easy. It may take work. But if I'm truly going to be a repentant person and a Christ-like person, then I must be in a continual state of sanctification or this continual state of repentance where I am daily saying, Jesus, I choose you today. I'm sorry for what I've done that would not be correct. Possibly it would not be pleasing to you. And I don't want to repeat that same mistake. So I'm sorry Would you forgive me? And that is repentance. You see, sin has been a problem for all time. From the very beginning of time, people have understood that there's something that was hindering them from experiencing an unhindered relationship with the Lord. And so sin is something that needed to be taken account for. Now, understand that when John the Baptist was preaching repentance, he was preaching in the Old Testament vernacular. The New Testament had not begun yet. Jesus had not started his ministry yet. So John was still preaching an Old Testament uh, salvation. And that salvation was a salvation through works. It was a salvation that was um, attained uh, through a priest sacrifice. That The the priest would go in once a year for he would go into the, the Holy of Holies and he would perform an animal sacrifice and that would atone for the sins of the people for that particular year so what john was declaring was a future event john was declaring the fact that christ that the messiah was going to come in to the world that was going to take away the sins of the world and therefore it would do away with the old testament and and christ did that he didn't come in to abolish it he came in to fulfill it and that's who John was calling out for. So the Old Testament law that John was dealing with was exposing sin and covering sin through a man's ceremony. This wasn't really doing away with sin. It was just covered it for a time. It wasn't until truly the, that Jesus came in a perfect form, in a perfect life, in a perfect death, as a perfect um, antidote for sin, as a perfect message and a perfect messenger, and that's who John was. Pre- that's who John the Baptist was preaching about when he read, when he declared this. And Andrea is going to read in Mark chapter one John's declaration of who's coming and who is that we're looking that he was looking forward to.
1: Listen, I will send my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare the way for you. There is someone shouting in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make the road straight for him. So John the Baptist came and was baptizing people in the desert area. He told them to be baptized to show that they wanted to change their lives, and then their sins would be forgiven.
0: You know what's interesting in that translation there, he didn't, that, that translator did not use the word repent. But what she said there, in the word, instead of using the word repent, in verse 4 it says, So John the baptizer came and was baptizing people in the desert. He told them to be baptized to show that they wanted to change their lives. And then their sins would be forgiven. You see, in the Old Testament, you had to change your lives to be forgiven. First. Right? It was action-based. It was, it was changing your life. It was living on your own by your own merits to the best that you can and then coming to the priest to have the priest offer the sacrifice of the animal for you to cover your sins. That was Old Testament. But Jesus came to fulfill, not do away with the Old Testament, but to fulfill the Old Testament in that now he became the perfect sacrifice one time so that we don't have to go into the inner circle. We don't have to go to the Holy of Holies every year. We, go, we can go in every day in an attitude of repentance, of a heart that is truly sorrowful for our sin, because Jesus' one-time sacrifice covers it. So that it appears to Jesus that I have no longer sinned. In fact, in, in, when I'm covered with the blood of Christ, when He looks down upon me, He looks at me as if I have never sinned. That's called justification just as if I had never sinned. That's what the blood of Christ does. It washes completely away. It just doesn't cover over so that later on in life, the skeletons can be revealed and God can say, oh, well, you were like this one time. No, when I'm forgiven from my sin, it is gone. It is wiped away. God will no longer ever hold that against me. That is redemption. That is God's grace. That is love That is fulfillment of the Old Testament through the life of Jesus Christ. That's a celebration time. So John is referring to Jesus coming now to be the fulfiller of the Old Testament law. Now, where we are at today, we are all living in that era of grace. All of us now, with a simple belief, acknowledgement, confession, and repentance can come to Christ and be saved. We can come to Jesus and he will forgive us of our sins and he will totally wipe away our past. Then with that comes the next step in water baptism. You see, in the New Testament church, water baptism and salvation were typically one right after the other. It was typically be saved and be baptized, be saved and baptized. There was no delay, typically. In that experience, it was a boom, boom, bang, bang thing. Let's get it done. We today, we, we can still practice that, but we just don't because it's not convenient necessarily. But today, because we have a water tank filled and we have a baptismal here, people have said, yes, I want to be water baptized. And what that means is that today is not their day of salvation. Today is just the day of obedience where they're following Christ. But they were saved before today. So salvation is not based on water baptism, Just so you know that. I want everybody to be clear, salvation is based solely on the belief that Jesus died for our sins, and that we apply his sin we, I'm sorry we apply His blood to cover to take away my sin. Water baptism is just the obedient act to follow in the steps of Jesus. and that's what water baptism is. So in Matthew chapter 3 verse 15 Jesus replied let it be so now it is proper for us to to do this to fulfill his righteousness and that's when Jesus consented or that's when John consented to be bat, to baptize Jesus so water baptism is not required for salvation but why do we immerse people in water have you ever thought about that why don't we just sprinkle them why don't we just Maybe, um, you know, walk in knee-deep or ankle-deep. Why immersion? And it's very important that we understand this. So I'm going, to read, I'm going to ask Ellie to read in the message translation a passage that talks to us about why it's so important that immersion. This is in Romans, and this will give us a good understanding.
2: So what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace-sovereign country. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ, a decisive end to that sin-miserable life, no longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get in... Included in Christ's sin conquering death, we also get included in his life saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of end of, of the end, of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died he took his sin down with him, but he alive but alive he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did.
0: So the the act of immersing one in water is symbolically um, dying to ourself. It is as Jesus died, put in a tomb, and then rose again from the dead. So we then, as Christian people, we die to ourself. We die to the old man. And by being immersed in the water is symbolically of burying that dead man in a grave. And then being risen out of that water, the old man has gone away. The sin has left. And the new man emerges. The new spirit man emerges Then the, with new life. And that's symbolic why we immerse people in water and we go through that process of dying and, re- and resurrection. Does that make sense? Does it, does it open up anybody's eyes maybe as to why we dunk? <laughs> why we immerse? It's just not because we do it because we think it's a good idea. In fact, it would be a lot easier if we didn't have to. But we're following in the steps of Christ, and we're doing it in a way that we're identifying with Christ. Now, those are some basics of water baptism, but I want to spend just the next few minutes to look at the real significance or maybe a little deeper level of significance of of what why why water baptism is so significant today see there's a there 's a tense there 's a timing there 's a, a past present, and future thing with water baptism that I think i want to I want to talk a little bit about we, w- The past tense is this is that i have it 's a declaration that I have chosen Christ to be my savior that I have um, done the things that I need to do in my life to declare Christ as Lord. The last number of weeks we've been talking about choices and how important our choices are. This is one of those choices. This is one of those choices that declare ourselves to be aligned with God's word and we are publicly stating that. And we're obeying God in that. John 14, 23 says, anyone who loves me will obey me. So we're being obedient to Christ because we love him. There's a, and secondly, there, there's an implied order of sequence here and that we first must choose Christ to be our Savior. We must first choose him to forgive us of our sins and then walk in water baptism. It wouldn't make sense to be water baptized first and then be saved. We're saved first. There's that order of sequence. So everyone this morning that is going to be baptized this morning has already had a a salvation experience. They've already been changed. They've already been renewed in their life, and they're already on their way to heaven. Again, salvation is not based on water baptism. It is just a walk of obedience in water baptism. The, The present tense of this is that I can identify. So I have chosen... And now, present tense, I can identify with Christ in every aspect of his life and in his teaching. As a person is immersed into the water and brought back up, they are raised back to life, identifying themselves with Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity, deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Continuing in verse 11, for your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So in in this sense, every baptism is a funeral, if you will, for the old self. And it's a way of saying that sin and death no longer rule over me. I am declared free from sin. Sin's rule. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. Doesn't mean I'm never going to sin in the future. I'm not saying perfection. I'm saying we're free from the power of sin that it would have the rule over me. Just like the grave couldn't hold Christ, the grave will not hold us anymore. The water cannot hold me any more than the grave could hold Christ because I'm a new man in Christ and my My identification with Christ, the burial of the old man with Christ, is identifying with who Jesus is now that he is now the master of my life. He is now the ruler of my life, and sin no longer has any control over me. So that's the present tense. Now, the future tense says this that I will be faithful. The past tense is I have chosen. The present tense is I can identify. And the future tenth is, tense is, I will be faithful. And this, I believe, is one of the most important aspects of water de- baptism in that it is, it is declaring future faithfulness. It is putting a stake in the ground, so to speak, to say I will be faithful to the Lord from here on out, no matter what happens in my life, because I've identified with Christ, because, I've, I, because I'm choosing Him, and I'm making a public declaration of my choice with Christ is that I'm identifying with Christ and now that I'm placing my future in Him as well. So even though that many will say that our faith is personal and it's just between me and God, which, yes, it is personal, and yes, it is between you and God, but there's also that public declaration of our faith that's vitally important that we have for a couple of reasons. See, Number one, reason number one, our public declaration of Jesus enables Jesus to publicly declare us before the angels of God and before the Father. Luke chapter 12, verse 8 and 9, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. So do you want to be known in heaven? Do you want Jesus to declare you as one of his children? Then you must declare Jesus as your master today. You must have that relationship with him today if you want him to declare you later. The second reason, publicly declaring one's faith, strengthens that faith by declaring to the enemy whose side you're on. You see, when Jesus was water baptized, again, it wasn't his ministry hadn't come to bear yet. He wasn't truly known as the Son of God at that point, but when he was publicly declared, when he publicly was water baptized, he had a, a third-party witness that came down and claimed, backed up the claim of who he was and that he was God. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17 says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. So the public declaration that Jesus made that day told the devil, I'm here, I'm here, watch out, I'm coming after you. Because God, my father, said, yeah, this is the guy. You were worried about this guy, Satan? Well, you know what? He's here. He's here, and he's coming after you, and he's not going to take any prisoners. And that's exactly what our public declaration is, to say, devil, I'm here. I'm here now as a child of God and I'm not taking any prisoners because the power that raised Christ from the dead is raising me from the dead as well. And that same power lives within me and things are going to change in my life and things are going to change in my influence of other people around me because I am identifying with Christ. I'm burying the old man and I'm here. That's that's why we do this. That's why it's so important. So as we get ready to baptize those this morning... We're going to give every one of them an opportunity to state that fact. It's so important in water baptism that each, each person gives a brief testimony of why they're doing what they're doing. What does Jesus mean to them? Amen. As, if, for those that are getting water baptized, but well, you can stand up and maybe you guys can go back and get ready. And, and the Jackie's going to come and, and we're going to uh, sing some songs and we're going to have now just some um, interaction. But I wanted to make sure that we all stood on the same ground when it came to understanding what water baptism is all about. I hope this little teaching gave some explanation as to why we do what we do. First of all, it's commanded by God to do this. We're being obedient to follow in the steps of Jesus, so we really can be called Christians or Christ-like, that we're publicly declaring our faith before the world and before the enemy, and that we are going to then declare that we will be faithful to the future. And that we will live a life uh, pleasing to the Lord to the best that we can. Again, every one of these people are still going to sin when they're done. Don't put expectations above on them that's going to make them perfect. Because they're not going to be perfect. But they're forgiven. And they're publicly declared with Christ now to be obedient in that step. And they're making a, a, a big step of, of obedience. And for those here this morning that may be not water baptized, we'll have other opportunities in the future if you want to be. And uh, for those that have been water baptized, then it's a celebration. So why don't we at this point, um, why don't you move around a little bit? Why don't you come, if you want to move from your seat and, and, and get in the middle or come closer, uh, we won't splash, um, I promise. But I'm going to go run. Jackie, take over. And uh, I'm going to go run, and we'll be right back, and we're going to have a little water baptism celebration time now at this point. So Jackie, lead them in some singing.
3: Okay. Okay. Um. <laughs> You won't have any words or anything, obviously, but we're just going to do a couple of songs that I think that you'll know by heart. So let's start out with Victory and Jesus as we're waiting for them to get started.
0: to touch the microphone. So if somebody does, and if we're zapped, call 911, or I'll see you in heaven. Either way. Amen. This is Andrea, uh, Andrea Miller, and uh, would you just take a minute and sh- share with us what your, your 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 faith and what you believe. <laughs>
3: um,
1: I'm Andrea Miller. Um, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's my Savior. He's my Lord. And... Um, I have been through a lot of trials, a lot of tribulation, and I have proved over and over that I cannot do it on my own. I need his help, and he has come through f- for me on so many occasions, and I think this is my next step in moving forward and getting closer to him.
2: Wow. Thank you. Wow.
0: <clears throat> Turn this way. Andrea, by the, your confession you. and your repentance... Uh, We baptize you now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
2: So I never really known anything different, but um, I know that uh, the past couple months, actually the past like year, I've been really struggling with um, my self-image and myself and who I am, and the devil's definitely been pressuring me on uh, during the high school years of choosing who you want to be. and um, So I'm just, I'm just ready to declare that uh, I'm going to move forward in God and keep him in my life and keep him as the center point and um, not fall away from that. And I think this is the perfect way to start that. So.
0: Amen. Well, you want to say something
2: about
3: Ellie?
4: <laughs> say something <nice>. sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ellie, if you don't know, is actually, she's a, the oldest youth we have on a regular basis and she's just been really an inspiration to me and to the other youth as to um, how to follow Christ in the right direction and She's just, I really love having her in a youth group. And she's also on our leadership team. And I'm excited where God's going to take her in life. It's, It's exciting to see.
5: Amen. is kind of a brief overview of what God has done for me in my life. So just kind of bear with me. Uh, he's granted me with a lot of emotions throughout my walk. So uh, um, I come from a broken family. Uh, I was born with just my mother. and My father wasn't a part of my life until I was three. And uh, my parents never got married. And I have a stepfather. And my life has just been kind of, with my parents, has been not encouraging, not inf- affirming. And uh I just kind of wanted to find ways to fill that void that I never had and I just I did a lot of uh, drugs and I drank a lot of alcohol during high school I started really young and it uh, it just started accumulating to where I started dealing and when I graduated high school I just went into a slump and I was in a really dark place in a pit and uh, that's when God brought Brooke into my life and uh she really started challenging me with, uh, you know, really challenging life questions. You know, what are you doing with your life? You know, why are you doing this? And Do you trust God with your life? Why don't you? And, uh, you know, I, I really liked her, and, and she told me, you know, that we couldn't ever be anything more than just friends, and it was just kind of hard for me to understand. I didn't, you know, I couldn't grasp why. And so she went away to YWAM for six months, and we still remained really good friends and really close. And, uh she called me up one day and we were talking for a long time and she asked me one simple question of why I don't trust God with my life and I couldn't answer her. I mean, there's no reason why you can't. You know, I just I simply said I can't answer you and she asked if she could pray for me and I said, yeah. And then uh, the next day I got asked to go to church and I did and I just sat in my chair just weeping and trembling and I had no clue why and it was just God just really pulling me towards Him and just you know wanting me to just thirst and hunger for Him for the rest of my life and just devote myself to His will on earth and I've been doing it ever since and I'm just ready to take this next step and Amen. you know just declare that sin does not have any reign over my life and that when I live by the Spirit I will not gratify the sinful desires and I'm just I'm excited and ready <laughs> and I love Jesus. <laughs>
0: Can I, by the declaration of your faith in Christ Jesus, we now baptize the name of the Father?
6: This short version of my testimony goes like this. Uh, Before my mother passed away, I was baptized as a baby in the Catholic Church. Uh, I was too too young to understand what it really meant, and it was basically just a declaration of my life. Uh, When my mom passed away, uh, we lost our strong spiritual influence in our household. Um, God was not the center. Um, But my big sister got saved when I was in middle school, and um, she started to teach and encourage me, and... He, uh, actually gave me a Bible and really gave me a lot of encouragement and my dad always supported our faith journeys. Uh, when I was 16 uh, I attended a Christian teen conference and uh, God was really drawing me in there and um, that's where I finally accepted Lord as my Savior. Uh, for a little while I was uh, really on fire for God um, but the world got the best of me like many others. Uh, I put, him, I put God on the back burner of my life. Um, uh, thought, I thought about God through the end of high school and my first years of college, but I wasn't really living that, that lifestyle. Uh, I was too consumed with worldly desires like college parties and drinking, bad relationships and surrounding myself with poor influences. Uh, one year ago, uh, I reconnected with an old friend of mine, <laughs> who is now my wife actually. <laughs> I noticed something in her that I hadn't noticed in any of my other friends, and I wanted what she had. Uh, I wanted the joy and love that she seemed, she seemed to be filled with. I wanted, <clears throat> um, I wanted to be forgiven and stop carrying around all the guilt of my past mistakes. I knew I've ha- I knew from my past that only one really, only a relationship with God will fulfill me. Um, right here at Centerpoint, uh, almost a year ago, I my recon- recommitted my life to Christ. Today I want to be baptized to show God I'm serious about dying to myself and being obedient to his word.
3: That's good. That's
0: good <laughs> this way. Okay. Luke, by the faith by the declaration of your faith, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yeah.
7: Probably noticing a trend between my brothers and I, um, I've been blessed to have um, influence over their lives and their influence on mine. And then today, I'm here because I really just want to—I really want to show the Lord that I'm deadly serious. That I'm deadly serious about my commitment to Christ. That I'll put everything on a back burner for Him. That Christ will be the center point of my life forever. And um, my journey is one that I experienced Christ through somebody else. This person now is my wife, Brittany. She showed me qualities of Christ that I never um, had really experienced in my life before. She showed me grace and forgiveness. And from that point on, I knew that I wanted those qualities to be a part of my life too. God drew me in at that point, and that was about six years ago that I recommitted my life to Christ. And so here, I'm today. I'm here to uh, to seal the deal.
0: Jason, by the your confession and profession of Christ as your Savior, I, I baptize you now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
2: And Julia and I guess I'm just ready to move on
0: yeah you know let me just say something about Hannah real quickly I've seen Hannah in school and I'm really pleased I'm so excited for the youth for Ellie and Hannah and, and Emily that's coming but but Ellie or Hannah I've seen you around, among your peers and I'm just excited about what the position you're going to take in that leadership role you're going to take amongst your your peers in the eighth grade and the high school level as you come forth and uh, move in that area. So, really proud of you, and I'm really thankful that you're doing so. Riley?
4: Yeah, um, I think most of us remember Hannah coming and passing coming as little kids with Lawrence and Sandra, and it's been amazing as now her youth pastor to watch her really just develop into a young woman who's really just seeking God with all her heart and such a sensitive spirit to the Lord when the presence of the Lord is there and I don't mean to embarrass her but she just starts I mean the presence just comes out and she starts crying and worship and it's just it's so awesome to see like such a sensitive heart for Christ and for the for um, the spirit of the Lord so Amen yeah. that's good and I'm trying confession and belief in Jesus Christ so got in the name of the the name
2: I want to be baptized because I just want to show that I love Jesus and I want to prove that I do, I guess.
3: <laughs>
0: you know, Emily, this is hard for Emily's shy, so I'm, this is really hard, and, and but I've really come to appreciate Emily and their family, the Kateskis and your mom and dad and your sister, and, and uh, again, I'm really proud of you and for what you're doing for, the, for your stance here. Riley?
4: Yeah, Emily and her family, they've started coming, I, don't know, I guess, say a year ago, and, and they've just, in that time, like, she, they're a quiet family, but I tell you, once you get to, to open them up, I just really love having them in the group, and she's, she's her and her sister are both really special girls, and I'm just glad to see where God has taken them too. so.
0: and being part of this. It was such a special time for all of those that were water baptized, and uh, it's just meaningful. So now would you complete that and stay with us for dinner? Um, mm-hmm. Let's pray, and uh, we'll just pray for the food right now, and we'll just thank the Lord for what he's done. Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. We're so grateful, Lord, for what you mean and for what you've done, and Lord, and I thank you for every one of these testimonies that were given today. God, I thank you for their declaration of declaring that Jesus is at the center of their life and, and that he will remain there. So, God, I pray that you would just protect them. I pray that you would give charge of your angels over them and, and protect them from the days ahead. Lord, I know the enemy is not going to give up on them. I know the enemy still has a plan to destroy, but we serve a God that is bigger and greater than the enemy, and we are placing our trust completely and wholly in you and in nothing less. So, God, I declare protection over them. I declare that you would just give them provision. You would make it evident in their life of where they're going to go, what they're going to do next, and you would just bring blessing upon blessing in their life because of their obedience and their faithfulness towards you. We declare this now in Jesus' name. Would you bless the food, Lord, that's before us? Just give us a great time of fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.